Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Simmer down with Sean Simpson. Brady Kachuk with the tip. His 100th goal. It is 300th game, and it's a Gordie Howe hat trick to tie it. The sickest Ottawa Senators podcast. It's going to be sick. Well, there we are, Ottawa, and I'll tell you what, for the first four minutes of that intro, if you're on before noon, I was actually dancing around naked. Use the last minute to actually get dressed, get ready to rock and roll. Pretty good tune there, uh, to say the least. Hey, thanks for all the support, and it is great to be back on the airways. Great back in Ottawa, Sens fans, hockey fans, all people around the world. Been five months since, of course, I ended up leaving TSN. I think a lot of people have been asking me, Sam, what have you been doing with your downtime? I got to tell you, for the first two and a half months, I didn't do much. I did a lot of drinking, I did a lot of thinking, and then I said to myself by the end of September, with help from my girlfriend, time to get real here. Cleaned myself up, got myself ready to rock and roll, did a couple of podcasts, then my good friend Tony Marinell reached out to me and said, listen, you got to get into Sick Podcast. It's a great company. Of course, he started one out of Montreal, incredibly successful, and I said, yes, that's the fit I'm looking for. I feel good mentally, physically, ready to rock and roll, ready to get back talking some hockey. And I got to say, from a sense perspective, with being on the sidelines for the first time in 11 years, I've come back as a bit of a fan, not necessarily cheering for the team, but I want the team to do well. And I've been following it closely. I've been missing it. Think about it. Since 1985, I've attended as a player, management person, or media person, a training camp, whether it was Sioux, Oshawa, uh, Baltimore, Washington, uh, working in Washington, Toronto, Dinamo, Minsk, Minnesota Wild, and of course, the Ottawa Center. So did I ever miss it? Felt kind of sick. Now, I hate fall to start with, but at least hockey season, football season, we get out and we get talking, so I'm excited about it. Now this project has come together. And the other part of it, when I decided I wanted to do this, I've never hosted. And that was one of my fears. We used to joke on the station. Sometimes Ian and JR used to pretend to be late to kind of scare me, make me a little bit nervous about leading into a show. And then all of a sudden, Hammer would say, nope, nope, they're going to be good. And we'd all of a sudden start the show and we'd have a chuckle. So I was nervous about this and I didn't want to be alone. Didn't want to necessarily have a guest all the time because, you know, I like to talk. I got lots of opinions. Now, I wanted to find myself a co-host. And as you look around, you understand, hey, a lot of people out there passionate about hockey. But I wanted a young person, so I have an old guy like myself, that I could end up bringing in. So I want to introduce you to, and I think you guys will be all familiar with the name, of course, uh, please welcome my co-pilot and my good friend. I know his father a little bit better than him, Mr. Justin Murray. How are we doing, Simmer? There he is, right? There. Hey, Justin, welcome to How the show. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm thank excellent. You, thank you for having me. Yeah. Now, first of all, uh, I think a lot of people know your name, but they'll know the picture. And here's one of the things, Justin, then I'll get into Justin Murray, of course, uh, is uh, the nephew of the late, great Brian Murray. Do you see that picture right yeah. there? Cap Center. I loved it. That's where I remember all my hot. I remember even your dad, Timmy, of course, and your Uncle yeah. Terry, all part of the Capitals family. So I see Langway, uh, you see Larry Murphy, you see Doug McLean, and I think back to that. Now, of course, Justin comes from Hockey Royalty, from Shawville, but also Justin was a scout for the Ottawa Senators for a number of years. So he got the background, he's chewed the fat, he's talked a ton of hockey in the past, so excited uh, to team up with your brother. How are you doing on this uh, kind of cold I'm, Monday? Yeah, yeah, I'm, it's... Yeah, I'm a little nervous, but it should be good. Uh, once we kind of yeah. get going with the hockey talk, I think it'll start to flow better and that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Justin, and I think everything in life. I did TV years ago with the Washington Capitals, and Jeff Rimmer made me even more nervous trying to do it. Yeah. Uh, but I would shake. I would come on between periods, and you're trying to do the fake smile. And I think in the world of selfies now, when we do so many selfies, we develop the American smile, kind of the, yeah. you know, we're just able to smile anytime. But I remember doing it with Ian, doing it with Dave Gross, JR, a little bit different. I've been into it, but it was exactly that. But the fun part is, uh, this is our median. Uh, you're bringing the young, single stud, uh, hockey person. <laughs> so you're going to attract that crowd. I'm kind of the older, you know, been there, done that. Trying to look kind of cool with an ACDC church. Sure. I don't know how that looks, but hey, yeah. anyways, excited to have you on. Uh, now give a little bit of background for people that necessarily don't know. I mentioned the scouting standpoint, yeah. but I guess talk a little bit about your hockey background. Yeah. So uh, obviously grew up around the game uh, with my dad and uh, Brian mostly. Um, and yeah. Terry obviously was very involved, but I didn't see him as much as he lives in uh, Portland, Maine, but yeah, um, yeah. just around the rink all the time. Um, lots of hockey hours, lots of 
watching hockey, lots of uh, listening to my dad talk to agents, uh, <laughs> talk to other GMs or Bob McKenzie. How much scrap? How much scrapping in the family? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Because any yeah, anybody, uh, and 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 I'll say this, and I, I broke in with the Washington Capitals, and and at that time, you know, Brian was was a coach, and I was playing in Baltimore. But the thing I learned from Jack Button and Terry Murray, and even Brian to some extent, but David Poyle was was opinions, strong opinions. And one of the things I missed the most is scouting back in the day, just sat back and pounded a thousand beers with your dad <laughs> and, and just just talked hockey. And obviously yeah. he got all fired up, but I really miss that. And I knew you'd kind of bring that angle. But yeah, yeah. how much fun was it to just sit around it, and, and was, you know have a passionate good. view? Yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh five years with the with the Sens. Um yeah. a lot of great people. Nothing better than uh sitting around after the game talking hockey uh with the guys in the yeah. bar. Um guys like yeah. Connie and, and stuff like that who uh you obviously know well so oh yeah uh, yeah so this is good it's uh i miss you know a lot of the hockey stories and stuff which i think you can yeah. add uh, to the pod and and kind of hearing about the older days as well so um yeah. looking forward to that yeah exactly and i think that's one of the things justin that I, again the other night and we'll touch on brady check it into that yeah. but i wish people could understand if you think that in the media people are tough on the- <laughs> Tough on the players. Yeah. <laughs> Come behind for a couple of cold ones after a bad loss. Yeah. And sit with the general manager and coach. And obviously, Brian and Timmy love their F-bombs. But you yeah. would swear that night, if you're new into the industry, that you should get rid of all your players. And then by the yeah. time you show up at the <laughs> rink the next day, everything's good to go, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then if you win, everyone's great. And then if you lose, <laughs> it's the end of the world. But yeah. yeah. Now, who who is tougher on the goaltenders, Brian or Terry? Because I remember Brian, not, not, not Brian or Terry, uh, Brian or Tim. I remember Brian was he Warren Strela, who was the goalie coach for Washington at the time. <laughs> yeah, the back and forth all the time was comical because I don't think there was ever a good goal in the essence of Brian, which Pete Peters no. led in a lot of softies. Yeah, and to Warren, it was never a bad goal. Was who's yeah. who was tougher on? I guess well, of the I three, think, who was tougher on the I, goaltenders? I think I think probably Brian because I think uh, in the early days he kind of didn't always have maybe the best goalie. So oh man, I think yeah. that's, yeah. that stuck with him. I think Washington had a great team um, and maybe yeah. lacked some yeah. goalies there yeah. so him uh the goalies are the refs i don't know who got it more yeah <laughs> well, and, and you know what that's that's funny right and and that's how much the game has changed because when you go back to brian and of course that clip behind i guess he's maybe yelling at rod but he might be yelling at the referees yeah it's... but part of what is missed and i'm assuming doug mcclain apprentice under him because dougie was one of the best we don't see yeah. it anymore and, and you know what it is a real forgotten factor of i think part of what's missing in the game is not necessarily yelling but the interaction that the players and coaches had with the refs was actually good at times, right? Where yeah. there was a bit of a relationship. And then post-game, I'm sure Brian would slide over and have a pop with one of them, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. now now it's so anonymous, and most of the referees don't even have a personality. No, no, it's definitely changed. Uh, I remember Brian one time saying that he just gave a blast of shit to the referee just because he needed <laughs> to get the guys going and then apologize oh, yeah. to the ref right after and <laughs> said, I just needed to really get them fired up here. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it was a different age and the personalities. The refs didn't have helmets. They didn't have names on the back of their jersey. So uh, certainly felt different. Okay, opportunity here. We've introduced ourselves. It is our first show. And certainly, and again, thankful to everyone that signed up on the YouTube page. Everyone kind of leading up uh, all the production. Of course, uh, the Boys Back at Sick podcast. It was kind of fun building up. And I kind of felt like it was interesting, Tim, because uh, I, Tim, I know, and I was going to say, I'm going to get that a lot. That's okay. I, I know. <laughs> I know, but I was kind of nervous going in. And what really happened on that lead in, when I used to do the anthem, when I played, I usually shit the bed. So I thought to myself, how is this going to feel with the with the buildup? But it was a nervous excitement, which was kind of yeah. fun to get back in, as I said, talking hockey. So let's dive right into the auto centers. And I think the hot topic right now is a couple of them. We'll talk about Brady Kachuk a little bit, but I want to dive into DJ Smith. This is certainly interesting what's happened with the hockey club. And I know it's very quick and you've worked in the industry, you've been around it. When a team struggles in any sport, people want to fire the coach. I feel like now I have an opinion, just thoughts on what you've seen out of DJ Smith four years in. And for the first 10 games of the Ottawa Senators, what kind of a fit do you think he is for Ottawa right now and going forward? And what would you do if you're the general manager? I mean, it's tough. Obviously, DJ is one of the good guys in the game, and uh, you never like to see anyone get fired. No. Um, and and he's he's done a good job throughout the course, but I think uh, it's hard when, you're, when you've been around for five years, at, at, or like four and a half, I guess. Yeah, well, need, four and a bit, might, yeah. Yeah, you need a... I think you might need another voice, um, and, yeah. and, and that's not always on the coach either. Um, I no. mean, you could only no. get rid of... Uh, you can't get rid of too many players, so you could, yeah. the coach obviously falls on that sword. Um, yeah. I, I think I think it's time for the team to kind of take a next step, and I, I think 
you're not just getting rid of the coach to hire uh, an unexperienced coach as well. You need an experienced yeah. coach in here. Um, yeah. if, if this team wants to start winning uh, and making the playoffs, I, I think that might be the, the route that they go. Um, in terms of the style of play, I, I mean, they're, and it's not always the coach, but they're chasing the game a lot. Uh, yeah. They don't manage the puck. The little details I worry about. Um, yeah. And and I think uh, with a fresh face and opinion uh, and voice, that 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 could change. That said, yeah. too, poor DJ with the injuries on the back end, sometimes not getting saves from the goalies. I mean, it yeah. makes it hard, you know. And, yeah. and do I think DJ could get another job uh, in the league after this? Sure. And will he learn about his time here 100 um yeah. and and this league is you get hired to get fired at some oh, point for sure, for so sure. yeah. so i don't want to come in here and guns ablaze and say he needs to go but something needs yeah. to change right now and, and yeah. that's the easiest option and and maybe they're going to give him some time and and a fresh start with pierre gone and all that um i, I think who knows what will happen but yeah. uh something needs to change here and uh yeah yeah I, I think just based off of that point, uh, Justin, you can go a bunch of different ways with it. And uh, yeah. sadly, one of my first experiences in the National Hockey League was when Terry Murray was let go with the Washington Capitals. This is way back, but I just started yeah. as a broadcaster and I didn't even think this was possible. I, I didn't really. And of all things, Terry was my coach in the American League, took Brian's job. And you understand from a family perspective, yeah. <laughs> that was a bit on the awkward side. Yes, but I remember exactly. the change. And, and if anybody knows Terry Murray as a coach. And Brian was a great coach as well. But you talk mm. about a contrasting style. Nobody was more attention to detail. When yeah. Terry was an assistant coach in the NHL, best penalty kill, best power play, unbelievable defensive defenseman, you know, a great American League player. But all of a sudden, Jim Schoenfeld came in. And it wasn't about of X and O's in this case. But what I did see was just a changing of a voice. And Shoney came in, and Shoney was much more like Brian Murray. He wasn't necessarily the X and O's guys, but Shoney was a man's man. He was a powerful voice. And as we know, Terry, just a bit of a different personality. But that's when change happened. Now, in the particular case of D DJ Smith, why I look at this is simple. And I said this going in. I got an assistant general manager's job when I was 30 years old. I was way too young. I was in over my head. Seven years later, by the time I had learned the job, I was fired. I went on to Toronto. We can get into that in other shows, how it ended up going. But I learned a lot. Do I think DJ Smith's a better coach now than he was then? Absolutely. A couple of things. I don't think the combination, and this is the same when I worked for George McPhee. George was a new general manager. I couldn't support him. He couldn't support me. I should have went with David Poyle. I don't think DJ Smith has had great support. I don't think Pierre Dorian was a very good general manager. I also say back to when this first started, it was absolutely ludicrous that DJ Smith was given carte blanche from opening training camp of player decisions. Bringing in Nikita Zaitsev was most ridiculous thing. And I remember Pierre Maguire at the time saying, listen, coach is coach, scout, scout. And we started hearing about Nikita Zaitsev being elite shutdown defenseman. I thought to myself, probably if you're working in the National Hockey League or a media member who also echoed that, you should probably lose your job. The lack of respect to see what this player ended up bringing, but... The problem was, uh, Justin, at the time, there's too much responsibility in training camp. Anisimov for White, uh, Artem Zub. I took five minutes to watch this fellow and realize he's a good defenseman. Yeah. They waited, what, seven games. But I respect that. I understand what you're doing. Now, DJ Smith and part of the process, I think he's done a good job. My opinion is it doesn't take much to coach Brady, Kachuk, Stussel, and Sanderson. Personally, mm -hmm. I think you open the door. I'm not saying you don't have to work with them, yeah. but they're studs. They're stars. You have players like that where you open it up. Uh, Daniel Alfredson, you know, some of the great players that have played here in Ottawa. It is the next layer of trying to improve it. And when you go back to attention to detail, I don't think there's a better example, Justin, than the other night with the L.A. Kings. When you watch LA yeah. roll in and you see the sum of the parts and you go through some of the little things there, and I also have to be careful because I've never coached. I'm not a coach. I really take more of a scouting eye when I watch the National Hockey League. But when you watch that with LA, you're saying to yourself, this is a well-oiled machine. Here's yeah. the Ottawa Senators. Here's the Ottawa Senators over DJ Smith's career, 301 games in, 42 too many men on the ice penalties. A simple thing, a simple stat, but a sign of a coach that there isn't the attention to detail. And I also hear, and I hear how much the players love DJ Smith. I don't mind that. Yeah. I don't mind. I know my buddy Craig Berube, who I never thought would be an assistant coach or head coach. I know you can have that, but you also, and this speaks to kind of the staff itself, you better have the right people around it. And I don't believe they have that. That's the part where you get into failure. Now, mm -hmm. as far as the, the what's happening with the auto centers right now, 
when I hear this talk about you can't make a change now, it is absolutely ridiculous. It is so ridiculous to hear people talk about being more reactive. You've got Steve Steos, and we'll address that as we go along, Justin. But this is the time. The time was realistically in the summertime. If you understand the industry and the business, DJ Smith, four years in, that's okay. He took you a long ways, but he didn't create a foundation. And what is a foundation? A foundation is a good hockey team when you run into injuries that you're able to sustain that, that you have checks and balances in place. And I know three defensemen on the back end is a big thing, Justin, but it isn't that. And the Ottawa Senators now start to struggle. And when I hear comments about, okay, you've got this, well, you should wait until the general manager comes in. Mm -hmm. Do you know what a president of hockey operations is? He's in charge. He's in charge. Mm -hmm. This idea that the general manager has to come in, then all of a sudden you end up having to hire a coach. Why? You are the top boss. You've come in. You've been watching this thing for not a while. And I think that's one of the issues of Steve Doss is no experience. But the fact that they're going to continue to run it with DJ Smith until it basically mm -hmm. runs off of a cliff I think it's such a mistake, and I hate when you see that in an industry. And when you have fresh and new, this is what should happen versus, as you know, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit, Justin, you understand behind the scenes personal relationships, right? It's not yeah. easy. It's not easy when you've gone to war with a guy, and it's not easy. Now, Brian was a little bit different because I think Brian knew he was a better coach than anybody ever hired. But at the end <laughs> of the day, no, but you become friends with everybody. For right? sure. So it's not, not easy. To, not easy, but that's where – the top dogs that's where a new owner that's where a president of hockey operations comes in and says listen enough is enough boys we got to turn this and turn it quickly and yeah. the other part i'll say there's a lot of good people out there just kind of thoughts on that on whether you'd make the change right now or not well you you want to make sure you have the right guy lined up you're not absolutely, just firing absolutely. him to fire him um and, and don't bring in one of the assistant coaches right now like no like we don't no, need a mark crawford for the rest of the year i, I you know capulano i'm sure is a nice guy don't yeah, need it. You, you don't no, need that right now for no. the auto centers if you're doing it it's for a fresh face and voice um and exactly type of coach changes as well so i think you need a guy that is a little more attention to detail a little yeah. more structure um and, th and that ingrains into the players i think over time you talk about la terry was a coach in la um yeah. and before they went to the cup um and he taught them the that the defensive side of the puck and that stays with them you know very and, much and, that and, and, Sut and sutter came in as the best contrast yeah. after because he, exactly. he was just the voice and it was terry's foundation 100 so you build that yeah. culture on the defensive side of the puck and uh build build good habits and i think yeah. that's important for a young team um and, that, and that's probably the kind of coach that i'm looking for now and that yeah. coach might not even stick around that long you know by the time yeah. they're making the playoffs and that yeah. they might take that another step to bring back another voice that that gets the guys going and uh yeah, it's yeah. it, it, it's it's tricky you want to you want to make sure you have the right guy lined up to, yeah. to no, just fire no. the coach to not yeah. have the, no, a good guy sure. come in yeah and that's the careful part. And and this is part of, and I go back to that original time I went through it. I don't think anybody in hockey knew that Jim Schoenfeld was coming in. The one thing you know behind the scenes, you totally respect the guy that has the job. The last yeah. thing you want is interviewing guys coming into town, guys talking about it. And you also go through kind of, as you said, and what is also amazing, and you're a little young for it, Justin, but it's amazing to me when I look back to the Ottawa Senators when they were just a crap show and sure they had some some of the parts, but they were a bit of the laughing stock of the league. Well, they turn around and bring in Pierre Gauthier, um, who's a different cat. That's OK. We can talk about that another day as well. But the Jacques Martin factor of coming around and I look at the Ottawa Senators right now, I look through the pieces the you know, the players kind of where they're at as a franchise and don't look any further than that. And I wouldn't rule out Jacques. But you do have a Claude Julien. You do have a Gerard Gallant. You do have people that match up and line up with what I would like to do. And I go back to, and it wasn't all of a sudden the jock came in and all of a sudden they were winning the Stanley Cup. But he came in, he rearranged the furniture, he brought stability and habits. And it's unfortunate they didn't win a Cup, Justin, but he did everything he possibly could to put that in place. And do you see a lot of similarities between Ottawa's team right now? And, and a little bit, as I said, you'd be a bit young. Uh, yeah, but in 100%. looking back to kind of that roster and feel. No, 100%. I think... Uh... I think it's time for that structure. Um, it'd be nice to win some two-one games, you know. And I think yeah, exactly. when when, it, when your night's not going the best, you can still win those games because you have that defensive side of the puck down uh, that you can manage the puck. That's a big thing right now. I find we, that guys don't manage the puck properly um, yeah. and just playing smarter uh, overall. And I think that comes from uh, comes from the top and, and even. It's not always necessarily DJ that has to do that. The assistants can really oh, do that yeah, as well. Yeah, and and so yeah. it's so it's all encompassing there. 
Yeah, and again, I don't know Davis Payne at all, and I don't even really know Jack Capuano, but Jack's been yeah. in the game forever, and I'm also respectful of that. Yeah. God, I've been turfed a number of times, including my most recent job as a broadcaster. First thing in my life I was actually kind of good at, at least I pretended to be. I felt like yeah. I was. Anyways, uh, when you go through that, that is one thing, and a critique I also say from an organizational standpoint, maybe it was finances under Eugene Melnick, but we have seen in the National Hockey League, don't let it get further than John Cooper, We've seen people switch out the assistant coaches. Are you surprised at this point? I'm of a preference always that I want a Luke Richardson coach in my defense, a former player yep. that played in the National Hockey League. And you go back to Perry Pern, who was an X and O's guy. Are you surprised that they haven't switched out at least the assistant coaches to give, again, DJ's a likable guy. He's a communicator. He's fun. But there wouldn't be a better contrast to support him, even if he resisted it a little bit. Well, that's, that's the thing when, you know, DJ can get the guys playing in that. So I think he needs to have assistant coaches around him that are very good X's and O's. Um, I think that it, it's, it's, he needs to find the right fit. And when you have new voices coming into the team, I think you can, you can learn new things. The players learn new things and, and uh, you kind of build and build on top of each other. Now you don't want a yeah. steady stream of coaches coming in and out, obviously, no, no, but, I, no. but I think if, if you fresh voices are always, always good and, and you can always yeah. coach, DJ would learn from the new uh, assistant coaches. Players would learn from the assistant coaches and uh, just a different mentality and vibe yeah. going through the team. And just like players, Justin, one of the things for the listeners, we should also not pretend when you go through the list of coaches and it was back to when you were there. And again, not that they're bad hockey people. I thought, you know, I came back to, and I thought McLean did a real nice job. Yeah. I thought that was perfect at the time. Ended up going sideways. Pat Burns used to always joke and talk about, listen, you're going to get three years out of me, but you're going to win, which yeah. he understood and kind of way it worked, but also the budgetary side of it. As I talk about a guy like Todd McClellan, I was a bit surprised, but LA, I believe, gave him the five times five, which is kind of the Barry Trotz. Mm -hmm. So we should also, when we talk about players, not pretend that the guy coming in for 750 Canadian is exactly going to be Barry Trotz or what LA's getting. Yeah. And from an Ottawa perspective, and you work there, obviously budgetary issues were a major factor. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, you know, when you're a bad, like, bottom team too, you're going to hire probably a coach that's a little less uh, experienced, naturally. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think the DJ was the good, was the guy at the time. Um, it worked, you know, he kind of built a, a team of working hard, but now it's, it's not just about working hard. It's, it's yeah. about working smart structure, managing the pucks and, and giving yourself a chance to win all the games. It can't be fire, fire away yeah. hockey anymore, you yeah. know? And I always say you get razzed by Ian and the listeners because I use so many Washington Capital references, but I did learn so much. And one of the favorite sayings that Terry Murray had, and this is one of the great things about coaches, activity versus achievement. And we had a player in Washington back in the day by the name Mike Eagles. And when you do your coaches' rankings, <laughs> At the end of the day, we had, you know, a little bit later, but we had Yager and we had Oates and Bonder and you do your coaching rating at the end of the year. And Mike Eagles would come back as your highest rated player yeah. <laughs> because he knew he was terrible. Yeah. But he'd get out there and try as hard as he could. He'd give you 30 yeah. seconds. Nobody rode the bike better. Nobody was in better shape, but it was yeah. the expectations. And to your point, that is one of the things I think that has really changed in the National Hockey League. We used to have so many sayings that we use that defense wins championships, you know, hardworking will will outwork uh, talent. Would you agree, though, we're no longer in that time? Everybody works hard. What you need, first of all, is you need talent. Second, you need to work hard. But you got to work with a purpose and you got to have a structure to it and working as five-man units. Yeah. I mean, the league's really, really good now. There's 32 yeah. teams. You have to be very, very good to make the playoffs. You also have, have to have things go your way, like injuries and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, structure's always going to win. They, the yeah. team has talent, obviously. Um, the top top two lines, for sure, maybe going into the third line, yes. There is talent there. The back end, there's oh, some yeah. talent. So so it's just time to kind of ingrain ingrain that uh, the, yeah. that defensive side of the puck. And, I mean, we can harp on that all day. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but it is true. It is true. Yeah. So. And the other part when one of the telltale signs for me, Justin, when you're going through is when I watch a hockey game and there was a two on one the other day that in my estimation, Hamannick should have taken the shooter. He came off. Mm -hmm. We've seen a number of times going to the bench this year where I don't mind guys arguing and they bring it up in the telecast mm -hmm. a little bit of friendly, but there is way too much of, and this is from a goaltending perspective as a goalie when I played when you don't know what the other people are going to do, yeah. it's a difficult way to operate. As a five-man unit, and this is what always happens, we see this with the auto centers all the time, 
the one D-man doesn't trust the other D-man. All of a sudden, a fire starts. He decides, I'm going to go put out that fire. Well, all of a sudden, behind them, there's another fire. You see this where you don't trust each other. I think the National Football League is probably the best example of, yeah. and even a little bit the NBA. you got to trust your structure. you got to yeah. trust the people you're on Soccer. with. Where I know my job. Exactly. Yeah. Where you're supporting that. And that's one of the things I see with the Ottawa Senators. How many times are guys shaking their head and these downtown down the slot situations yeah. where you almost have to start laughing and then you're going back and saying, listen, come on, we're four years, 10 months in. This should not be happening with this hockey team. No, no. And I think that's, you know, the pairs are always changing and stuff like that too, because of the injuries, yeah. but you yeah. have to have an understanding of what we're trying to do. What, yeah. what are, what is this team going to be, you know, like, yeah. When you think of an of the Ottawa Senators, what do you think of? You don't really think of um, a brand on how they play. You know their skill at yeah. the top. Brady obviously yeah. plays hard, but like yeah. I, th- I think you know when you think of the Boston Bruins, like how many goals have they allowed this year? And, oh and I know they're a top team, but but that's yeah. the top teams. Like the teams do not score on those teams, you know, and, and no, you can say sure, that that's sure. goalies or but a lot of it's the back end and five man unit structure and yeah. and that that's really what wins. I agree. And, and that's the part with the Ottawa centers for a while. They were trying to sell that they play hard. They're not mm-hmm. a hard team to play against other than no. Brady Kachuk. They're not built that way down mm-hmm. the middle. And on the back end, a Sanderson is a, is an efficient player, but it's not like from a checker into a Shabbat to a Zub to anybody else. They're certainly missing that heavy hitter. So I agree with you from an identity standpoint, you then end up having that. So people kind of look, as you said, what are you hanging your hat on? What are you ultimately? And I don't think it's like it used to where you have to be a particular thing. What, as you said, you have to be as efficient. Now, I'll also go to, and one of the things here I always say makes you nervous. In the old hockey, when there was no salary cap, one of the things you're doing right now is looking to make a simple trade. And it might just be a fourth-line player for a fourth-line player. Remember years ago, we traded for a guy like Esatikin, and you think to yourself, what's the big deal? But it affected change. You can't do that right now. But the other cautionary part, Jason, when I look at it from the auto center's perspective, I'm not making any changes right now because what I'm afraid of, and the goaltenders have been the best example, nothing is a better contrast of what's going on right now than when you look at Corpusalo stats and you look at Talbot's stats. Come on. You look yeah. at Corpusalo, 9-1-2 and two down the stretch with L.A. last year. They let him go. He comes to Ottawa. Talbot, now I know he was hurt to, uh, three times, but he was terrible. Now you look at and he's a top-10 goaltender in the National Hockey League. What more can you say? My yeah. summary and my point is don't trade anybody. Don't trade up Drake Batherson, Shabbat, anybody until you get a coach in here that creates habits and still a bit of stability where I don't want Drake Batherson to go somewhere else and figure it out. And a great example, and I think, again, I wasn't a fan, but I say this. You get guys at the right time, you were around it. Is there a better example of Mika Zibanejad where you cut bait on a guy, he ends up going somewhere and figure it out, and whatever you say about Mika Zibanejad has basically become a star in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I, I think you, I mean, they're your players. You should really know what these guys are about. Um, yeah. We've seen it from them in the past, so I think it's there. Um, and like you said, I, I, that fresh voice, I think uh, you're going to see what these guys are made of once that happens and and if they should be sticking around or not. Yeah, okay. Well, let's move on to another topic yeah. here and had all the rage. And this is also interesting because I think, first of all, Brady Kachuk's American. Secondly, I'm glad he's under contract long-term because what we'd be hearing right now is don't be critical of Brady. Maybe he'll ask for a trade anyway. Maybe he'll want out of town. We have to be very careful, Justin. We don't want to upset the American players because they'll say, listen, they don't want to be here. What are your thoughts on Brady Brady Kachuk's comments of basically calling out the fans after Saturday night's game? Um, I think it's just an emotional, uh, emotional interview. Um, And, Listen, they've had DJ all their life. They're they're going to stick up for that, and I appreciate yeah. that. That said, the fans do pay good money to go to go watch them, uh, watch the team play. But I mean, DJ's a good good guy. So to 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 boo him, I don't know how fair that is. But at the end of the day, the fans are the ones that pay. I mean, it's way worse than soccer or or football oh, or God. whatever, you know. So so I, I wish people could understand in Europe what the new the yeah. media is like and the fans like. And I use that term sacked. Like, yeah. okay, I'll get, but again, I'll go a little further, sorry, on on, on uh, Brady's comments. Yeah, so, so do, I don't mind them. I don't mind them because I, yeah. I understand where he's coming from. That said, I, I'm sure he's aware too that the fans, you know, do pay that money and have a voice. And, yeah. uh, but if you listen to the fans always as well, like, I mean, you're going to be in trouble. You know, if you're, if you're a GM or coach looking at oh, Twitter, yeah. worrying about what people are thinking, 
um, you'll be tweeting right there beside him. Yeah, I agree. And and here's okay. I'll see on Brady Kachuk. First of all, love the guy from the day he stepped in. Yeah, I remember when I mean, all of a sudden a he was drafted. When he was drafted. Oh my God. When he was Good drafted. Yeah. Oh my God. Great pick. And yeah. I remember Ian, myself, and Lever Sage were doing the show at the Canadian Tire Center. He comes on the phone. I was just like, wow. I can't even imagine if they yeah. didn't draft him where this franchise might no, 100%. be. He's a young Mark Messi. He's been a dream since yeah. he rubbed in. You were trying to reestablish the culture, the brand, the pride, everything else. The guy's been absolutely outstanding. Yeah. I love his comments the other night because it's yeah. exactly that. He's playing also a little bit of the Phil Esposito. He's playing a little bit of the Ted Nolan. This mm. is an opportunity now is to kind of rally us against them. Now, from a fan's perspective, I'm also respectful, but the part that has to be and really understood with what's going on here is that this has been a crap show for the Ottawa Centers fans for a long time under Eugene Melnick. That voice and that boo is to, to Ann Lauer and to Steos up top that we're fed up with DJ Smith. We want a new coach. Enough is enough. They're not booing the players. And that part, and I understand, I like, I like the fact that Brady's protecting them, but let's not kid ourselves as to why this message is being sent, what is being talked about here, and that's where there has to be a bit of a separation. And to the fans of, and this is a bit of the funny part, I love that the Ottawa Centers players, and most players do it and come out and say, listen, you're the best fans ever. You know behind the scenes that for a long time, this market has been a struggle with the fans. I don't believe the players truly feel that in a sense of they're not selling out all the time. Even now, they're trying to build up the attendance. So there's a bit of a contradiction in what's going on, but I respect where the economy's at. I respect the fans. And if I pay for that ticket to go, I can do whatever I say or whatever I want, mm -hmm. as long as I'm not getting naked while I'm doing it. Beyond that... I think you'd agree. Now, it's a little cold as we kind of get that you don't want to be naked necessarily, but I think you'd agree, hey, you want to go there and, and boo and do whatever you want? That's your call. Yeah, completely agree. Um, and I think it's just built up frustration for her. Why Not even, the last not, even forever. A not even a smile yeah. when I mentioned about being naked? <laughs> uh, no, you, but like, you, know, you know a younger Justin would be, at, least, at, least, at least tarps off. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, you see those fans there. Right? A little cold. But uh, yeah. no, I think it's just built up frustration from yeah. – over time, you know, and, and now DJ is going to be the one that uh, they bring the frustration out. Um, listen, you go to a game, um, they're, they haven't been good the last the last few games. They had a good start to the year and the fans yeah. were on fire, cheering, yeah. cheering hard and right into it. So um, I think it's just it's just built up frustration over time. And, yeah. and I think this city's dying to make the playoffs again. And I think they see some of the players that we have and think that, that that should happen, you know, yeah. and and so so when you have these expectations, and they're not going well, you know, fans yeah. are going to be even more more frustrated. Well, and, and I think like anybody else, and and PTSD, I don't want to quite say it is far from being harmful, but I think when you're looking at what's going on at the Ottawa Senators, outside of a Claude Drew, and you can say Tarasenko won a Stanley Cup, but even with the veteran players and the young players, Justin, they don't know any different. And I don't care who you are or what walk of life. When all of a sudden you've had bad starts every year, this starts to come along. I think you start to feel it. And at the same time, I think fans are starting to feel kind of the same thing. Oh no, here we go again. And that's a real difficult cycle to break. And as far as, again, I'll go back to DJ Smith and the coach. I'm not a mega fan, but I'm respectful that he's a better coach year five than he was when he started. I actually thought that their games this year up in the last couple have been outstanding. Yeah, I thought I the starts early on, first five games of the year, they were playing real good hockey. And when 100%. I look at kind of the sum of it, 10 games in, I'm not saying they quit on the coach by any means. No, I, don't I don't feel that so. at all. What I don't feel like is we've both talked about, they should have if they were being more proactive. And maybe if ownership was in place sooner, you would have made a coaching change in the summertime. I hate this idea when guys come in and own a team or all of a sudden Steve Steos comes in and says, listen, we're going to kind of see how it goes and see how, listen, Ann Lauer's been following this team. It was over a year ago when it was up for sale. He's a mega hockey fan in a positive way. I talked to one of the other ownership groups and they joked about, listen, I love hockey. This guy loves hockey yeah. so much. He actually knows how the different players sharpen their skates and going on. You've been following this for a year. It's not a new story for you. And that'll be the next topic here. Just want to talk about Steve Steos. You got a guy that comes in and I'm not jealous. I've worked in the national hockey league. And I think some people say, well, listen, yeah, you're not, you know, you wish, no, it's not that. But what I am respectful for my own experience, Justin, is you need experience. And when these guys are carted in, in this case, Steve Stales is brought in as president of hockey operations. He's actually leaning on Pierre Dorian. Steve Stales worked one year in the front office for the Edmonton Oilers and then worked in junior hockey. Might be the brightest mind, might be the next Toe Blake, might be the next whoever and win Stanley Cups. 
But all of a sudden, when you come in and you're helping everybody out, I got Matt Nichols' phone number. I could have hired Matt Nickel. I can go and buy some signs around the rink and make things better for the players, make everyone happy. But I'm brought in as the president of hockey operations. I'm in charge. What you basically have right now is an apprentice who has lost his most experienced person. And whatever you think of Pierre Dorian, he knew how to operate a team. He had been in the front office for 16 years. Now you're sitting there and you're, you're, you're you know, you're playing Twiddle Dingle or whatever it is. You're, 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 well, you're looking with, you know, you're saying, listen, now we're going to assess. Well, yeah. Okay. Maybe if you feel that, you know, strongly in it, but the issue you're going to run into right here where it feels like it's headed and a part of its injuries, Justin, all of a sudden the season is going to be written off again. And then you're going to have a big assessment on what you try to do. And it's probably the end of the year. And I think for fans and for myself, Hey, come on, man. You guys have been watching this for a long time. You've been around it. You should know. And if they love DJ Smith and, and that's the hill you're going to die on, so be it. But this idea that you come in and you're going to assess and apprentice and help everybody, that's not going to do anything for the Ottawa Senators. Well, I think I think what he did do is bring in uh, Peter Shirelli to kind of help him, surround him um, with an with experience. And I also don't think they thought... But is, that- is Peter in officially? I, I think I, I don't. I don't he? think he is. I don't oh, okay. think he no. is. Okay, I, I thought I he was uh, I, I, no, advising. I know. No. Well, again, if it's it's been mentioned behind the scenes, Justin, and yeah. we can clarify that. I, I yeah, see, maybe that's, we'll have to. I don't yeah. think so. And we can okay. get into some of the general manager, but but so that, I agree. That, but that's what he's going to have to do then. I think bring in yeah. bring in some help, uh, some experience around him. I also don't think that they thought it was going to go down like this. I think they no. probably <laughs> thought Pierre was going to finish out the year and stuff like yeah, that. So exactly, there's not a ton to do right around now, especially a team at the cap. I mean, no. they're they're not going to be trading uh, probably at all. So, um, yeah. so it's just to kind of manage day to day operations. Um, Ryan Bonus, I think, does a great job on the absolutely on the back end there. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. I, I think if this is going to be the way it is, I think maybe get get an experienced guy in to kind of advise, um, mm-hmm. and then kind of take it to the off season and see what see what we do there. Yeah, but the other part I'll also go to from an ownership perspective, and I guess this is why I'm a little surprised. When you look at a guy like Ann Lauer, and I guess technically you could say he paid 850 American for the team, another 100 left of the daughters. The yeah. overpayment of the Ottawa Senators and the having to rebuild, and obviously still a leader coming back in is absolutely outstanding. But when I look at the business side, this is the other side I'd ask myself of an owner. Can you afford? And now Claude Julian, Gerard Gallant, neither of them have jobs right now. I don't think we're talking five times five. I'm going to go probably two and a half, three. Give them a three-year deal. I just invested $850 million American, so over a billion Canadian on my team. And you're going to go through another season here where, first of all, anything that's been positive with the business, I'm not saying it's going to be reversed, but all of a sudden, you're going to start to see crowds go down. You're not going to get the forward progress on that side how can you afford after what we've seen the last six years to basically sit on your ass and all of a sudden not do anything? That's the part that I kind of look at where, okay, do you really feel like DJ Smith is a coach that's going to take you to the promised land? I don't. Do I feel like DJ Smith can get this team into the playoffs? Absolutely not. Do I think he could end up winning the Stanley cup? No, forget that part. What I want right now is a coach and get me to a playoff so I can continue to rebuild the business to me, this is so short-sighted that you're not going out. And and why wouldn't you bring in Claude Julian, who's working in Westboro? And I haven't clocked to Claude. I don't even really know him. I don't yeah. know if he'd take the job. But I would ask myself, on that type of investment, how are you not going out and making the simple change? Like, we're not talking about a situation with John Cooper, who's won three Stanley Cups with the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're talking about a guy that had some success in junior, was an assistant coach with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and right now has not proven that he could take your club to the next level. Why as an ownership group, would you not be more preactive, proactive than reactive? Yeah, I think, uh, and that's very fair. I just think like a lot yeah. has gone on recently and they're, they're just kind of, they don't, but welcome to the real world. And Lauer, like yeah. any of these wealthy, any of these wealthy guys yeah. come from a business background. Yeah. Hey, this is the world. And, and this is one of the things I learned working in the front office with Davis Poyle and John Ferguson, and anybody else. Hey, good luck. Leave an hour of your day for what is going to end up being crisis. Do yeah. I think all of a sudden what happened with Pinto is wild? Do I think it's sad what happened yeah. with Dadnov? Absolutely. That yeah. Dadnov was just a major kick in the balls. Yeah. But as far as adjusting to business and coming in and making changes, like I said, man, you that's what made you so successful in your other business. Not yeah. coming in here and kind of assessing and let's just write off another year and all of a sudden get another higher pick. Do no. something now that's going to affect change with your hockey yeah. club and turn it around. And, and I guess I'd ask you, Justin, what's the downside? Like, no, what is the downside to go out and bring in an experienced coach right now? 
No, there's no downside, and it Nothing. probably needs to happen. And we don't know what's going on in the background as well. They're not going to no, come out, no. and, out in the public and say, "Hey, we're getting rid of our coach." And then you know, so no, they, could, they could be doing something in the background, and uh, and and we're not privy to that information. So yeah, so we'll kind of just have to wait to see. Um, but it's definitely something needs to change here in this organization, and 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 the easiest thing is always the coach, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I agree. And that is a tough And If you're Steve Steos, as I said, I, I've been there. Your head is spinning. And yeah, one of the things yeah. I always talked about with people is that it really becomes, and again, I remember in Washington, we were really starting to struggle and things weren't going well, or even in Toronto for that matter. It's incredible how the simplest move of putting somebody on waivers or calling somebody up can all of a sudden become this, this task that is so monumental and you become into this vacillating spot where it's almost incredible, impossible, where that's one of the things I've loved about, uh, you know, watching Ottawa. I'm not emotionally connected. Now I don't dislike them. And I guess part of me deep down, first of all, wants to see them do well. And I'm somewhat of a fan, but Justin, I'm sure you feel the same way. How you look at the Sens now compared when you need to work them when you're emotionally attached, even trading one of your traffic picks, right? It's, it's different, right? When you're all of a sudden on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're looking from the outside. It's a lot easier to judge. And, but you also don't know what's going on behind the scenes as well, which is something no, that sure. I'm going to be mindful of um, just because yeah. you would see media in the past uh, whenever I was working on the team, you know, say some stuff and, and oh, yeah. it wasn't the Including full story, me. you know? Yeah. hundred percent. And that's the, na- that's the nature of this, you know, like, yeah. and, and it's, uh, it's tough. Um, and, and I don't want to come in here and talk about, uh, good people needing to be fired at all because that's no. there's no fun. These people are humans. They have families. They have kids. Um, and but that is the league. I've been through it with my dad. I've, I've seen it with Brian. Yeah. And uh, that's just the nature of the business. Hey, you're a coach in the NHL. That's something you should be proud of. And and yeah. the fact that you could get another job in the league too. Um, I that that's that's an amazing thing. There's 32 of these positions. Um, so be proud of it, learn from it, I think, uh, and always be learning. And, uh, and then maybe he has a contract here in the future in the NHL. Yeah. And I guess from a player's perspective, and again, got every day at noon here, we're going to have opportunities. There'll be so much talk, so many different things in particular, when I judge a coach. And as I said, I'm not going to take away everything when it comes to Kachuk Stutzel and, and, and Sanderson, but You've been around enough to know, and I'm sure Brian and the pitcher back there would have told you when Scott Stevens came in the league way back or other players. There's the odd player that comes along that you kind of open the door. Interesting with Scotty, it's a bit of Brady Kachuk where you're actually trying to tame him down, you know, (laughs) kind of, you know, reel it back. But overall, you get out and play. But when I look at this, and this is one of the things, a couple of key pieces of this hockey team, the backward progress or no progress with Thomas Shabbat, who has really turned into, to me, that would be, you know, that would be my poster right there. And the other one would be Drake Batherson. And this yeah. is, again, the question you ask behind the scenes. Is it the coach? Is it is the player. Did you overestimate? But we'll just talk about Thomas Shabbat for start. We're talking uh, about a guy that came out. And you were part of this. You drafted uh, him. Soft spot we're, for we're, him, we're, obviously. We're, well, but but we're, we're talking about a guy that was the MVP or the best. Was he MVP of the World Junior? Uh, yeah, like, I think like, so. Like, One of the like, only defensemen ever to do that, I think. Like, like yeah. that, that, that pedigree. Now, what yeah. it used to be when we didn't have players coming over from the Soviet Union was basically you play in the junior program. You go back to Fetisov, then your World Championships and your Olympics. Yeah. Thomas Shabbat, and we watched it. You look head-to-head with Charlie McAvoy at the point. Now, he's not the same t- player as Charlie McAvoy, no. but use him as a case example of what, in your estimation, what the hell has gone wrong with this player? if you feel like there's anything wrong at all. I mean, it's been tough for Thomas, I think. Um, obviously came out of junior, had a good couple of years. I think playing on a bad team, tons of minutes is going to change you uh, yeah. unless you have a coach that is drilling on those bad habits. Um, yeah. So can he turn it around with good coaching? I'd like to think so. Um, but he makes $8 million. He needs to be better. When I look yeah. at him as a player in junior, I mean, I loved him. I thought he was your prototypical oh, yeah. new age defenseman. Um, what a great pick. Yeah, yeah. Like six, hey, hey just, just to just go off topic here because it was interesting back to that. What was it like going to watch him and Zaboral yeah. at the same time be yeah, a team was, together? At the same time, Boston decided to take him. Um, was that even a discussion at the point? And then we'll get on further with uh, Thomas Shabbat. No, yeah, no. Like Zaboral, I, I mean, Bruins, That that's their culture. They like hard, hard players to play against. Um but when you watch them, I would say, you know, 85% of the time, Shabbat was the better player and projected to be yeah. the better player. But that odd night, if he caught Zaboral play well, 
I mean, you, you would like them, but you're not just looking at one game to draft a yeah, player, sure, you know? Sure. So, um, Thomas, Thomas, I mean, was an outstanding junior. He, yeah. he really improved. He was trending in the right direction always. Um, you know, at the start of the year, he was in his draft year, he was, you know, not playing a ton and then kind of just got better and better. And, and in junior, he played with a little uh, stick toughness. Uh, okay. You know, he wasn't afraid to, you know, get involved more. And I think that's yeah. something he just kind of, he, he's lost his assertiveness in, in his game, I think. And, yeah. and, and that, I don't know if you can get that back with, uh, to get rid of those bad habits, but, uh, yeah. do you yeah, think, do you think it's a strength? Do you think it's a strength issue at all? Yeah. Cause yeah. He, as far as a, a junior player, but as a, as a pro again, and this is part of getting back to teaching without proper technique, he's a light player, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's yeah. got a stick on one hand all the time playing yeah. the offside is an absolute disaster, yeah. but I guess I'll also ask, and this is one of the debates and I get, I kind of laughed at when he was playing the one speed minute or the high minutes, I said to people, well, you're going to end up with a one speed well, player. Exactly. And I don't care who you are. This isn't Zidane Ochara. You know, you're no. not talking about a physical specimen. Don't yeah. expect him. And even back to say a Ray Bork or other guys, don't expect this guy to be a defensive defenseman. If you're going to have him play 30 minutes a night. Yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. I mean, not many guys in the league can play that much. So I think uh, you're, you're going to conserve energy without even realizing it. And, and that's probably where the bad habits really stem from. Um, yeah. But when you look at when you look at guys on the team, how many have actually become better than where you thought they were going to be? Um, yeah. And, yeah. and and that to me tells tells me something, you know. Yeah, um, it's it's a checklist. As I said, I, I think on the big three uh, now, I don't want to take away. And as I say, relationship coach likes them. I remember at the time, and this is a great debate, and it's great to see yeah. Ashley Byfield coming through. But yeah, I remember talking about a guy like Stutzla, how he should be a centerman, and people are like, I'm not sure. And I don't disagree. You don't have to do it right away. Yeah. It really happened out of dumb luck. Where ended up where sure. uh, uh, you know you end up with Colin White ended up injured. He's into the middle. But you look at his progress, and I agree with you, as you start to go through some of the other players, yeah, you ask. Even a guy like Zoom, to me, has leveled off a little bit. 100%. And I, you wonder, as I said, when it comes to defenders, comes to everybody else, how much is it the simple system, kind of the five-man units, and getting that trust level where people know exactly what they're doing on the team? Yeah, um, 100%. I think... I think it shows that uh, when these players do not improve and take a step each year, I, I, I yeah. kind of question where what they're doing in practice and how much they're emphasizing on an individual skill as well. Um, yeah. I know they had a skill session there the other day, but yeah. but once these guys make the NHL, they're not finished products. I think you no, kind of no. continue to continue to improve yeah. on all aspects of the game. Yeah. And and yeah. One, one of the things that drives me crazy is watching guys shoot pucks as one-timers when they're standing still. I yeah. saw a clip the other day of Corey Perry giving pucks to Connor Bedard <laughs> to yeah. shoot them at the net. And I thought to myself, First of all, he's never going to get a look like yeah. that. And I think we can agree the last thing Connor Bernard needs to work on is shot. And as far as these skills things, I think they're good. I think working on yeah. skating, Shelly Kettle is one of the best in the business. He can improve stuff. But I yeah. go back to your point. I think people would be shocked, Justin, if you asked how many defensemen, because they're able to dominate at the lower levels, how many defensemen actually know how to play a two-on-one? How many guys on a team do the two defensemen know what you're going to be doing? Yeah. And to your point... That is one thing I wonder for the Ottawa centers. I remember seeing a New Jersey devils practice one year and along with uh, Albany or sorry, Utica, their farm team. And what they had on their skills day, what they had their goalie coach work with the goalies. They had Larry Robinson working with the defenseman. They had Bobby Carpenter working with the centermen. And I think it was Jacques Lemaire working with the rest of the forwards. They were teaching skills, but they were teaching positional things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I, I think that that absolutely in today's national hockey league, I wonder, and I guess I'd ask you from the Sen side, is there a lot of tape work behind the scenes or is it, as you said, mostly what you see on the ice? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not at practice, so I don't know entirely yeah. what yeah. goes on, but these things should be habit. You shouldn't even have to think about these things. Two on ones. That should be, you should have so many reps that you are not even, not even thinking about it. It should just be yeah. natural. And I, and I, I don't see that right now. Yeah. No, I agree. Now, I'll also say this, one of the positive with Ottawa, and you joined it, but since, again, I guess back to 2012 covering the team, the other side of and the strength of, first of all, I think the amateur scout was excellent, but when you go back to their development plan, you go back to their summer program with Sean Donovan and Randy Lee previously, and then you go back to Belleville, I'll tell you what, I don't think there's a prospect. Like, I can't say there's one guy when Logan Brown came through other guys. First of all, none of them have gone on to do anything, but I think they've done an incredible job of, 
forcing guys to be back down when they needed to be down. I mean, yep. Curtis was our way back was a bit of a debate, but overall, um, yeah. you got to applaud them on that side of it. They are to me, one of the best in the national mm -hmm. hockey league when it comes to the development side. hundred percent. I mean, I worked with uh, Dono um, and he was yeah. own, our only development guy then when they've, and he did a great job, obviously. Yeah. And now they've just continued. Oh, he's to such a great guy. Too. Yeah. hundred percent. And uh, players love him. Um, and then, you know, they add Wade right in and they could continue to make a focus on that. Uh, and then I think Matt Nichols uh, is going to really help that as well. Um, I think the more more new ideas you get in in into the organization, the better. I mean, you can overdo it. Um, yeah, for sure. But but the Sens haven't really hired a ton from outside in all aspects of uh, their organization. So I think I think adding adding people really makes a difference. And uh, yeah. It, it was a lean, lean organization there in terms of staff wise yeah. there for a while. So, so I think if you can uh, give those guys some help, uh, it will. And, and the prospect side of things, um, once they're drafted till they get to the AHL, I think, I think our guys really do improve. Yeah. And I think that shows. Yeah. You can even see it. In a, and it used to be tougher with the college players, but overall yeah. they don't come to training camp. They come in the summertime. Yeah. I look at Clevin and Sanderson and Pinto and I, I'm not sure yeah. on JBD, but I don't look at it as being any fault. I just kind of wonder yeah. where he ends up filling in at the time and, and see yeah. where that goes. Uh, so you kind of keep on that process, keep developing, keep remembering that. But I guess that's also one of the things with the Ottawa centers, unfortunately, based on the salary cap system, my theory and a little bit of it, and I go back to Zaitsev and bring in Chikrin in, felt like Pierre Dorian wanted to clean up the office a little bit, wanted to shine things up and show you, listen, the finished product of the team, which on paper coming into the year was outstanding. But when you also look at the assets, you look at Belleville, all the picks that have given up and of all things, unfortunately, with old dirty daddy, end up losing that first round pick in particular Boy, oh boy, this is going to be interesting from the management side of there are not a ton of assets coming through the system to help. And at the same time, you've kind of made your bed with this hockey team going forward if you want to be a Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, I, I think they've, you know, maybe jumped the gun a little bit with that to bring cat trade. Um, yeah. And it kind of didn't work out how they wanted to. Um, but I see what he was trying to do. Uh, I think he was trying to supplement uh, with, yeah. with what they had and, and add to it. Um, and a little shock and awe. I, you know, yeah. one thing I'll say, the summer of Pierre, and yeah. uh, again, I said at the time, this Debrinka thing's a wild card. You're paying a guy yeah. $9 million bucks. You got no idea what he's going to do, what's going to happen. You didn't get any forward progress. He didn't play. And no. we'll just continue down that path. Now Steve yeah. Eisenman, and I know back in the day, you end up with the Bishop trade. But to imagine having traded, and, and I don't care about divisional trades, but you better know what you're doing. You've sent a top flight player into Brinkett and you've got a first round pick that right now, and it'll change, but you probably get the Boston pick, which is going to be, you know, the bottom four, bottom six yeah. in the National Hockey League. What in God's name? And I didn't know him very well. Then Kubalik came over to Chicago, put up numbers, didn't even get a qualifying offer for Chicago, gets yeah. a two year deal, going to be unrestricted. What yeah. in God's name have you seen out of him so far? Because I was also one of the people, and I got you always got to be transparent. I remember when they were talking about uh, who you're going to move when it comes to Pinto uh, making room. I'm like, listen, move Joseph, move Bransom. Yeah. You can't touch this Kubalik. My God, this guy's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. He looks good. Goddamn guy At doesn't times, do anything when he hits the no, ice. No, 100%. I mean, obviously, he has a, a really good shot. So, <laughs> But the, the, shot, the shot never gets off. 100%. Right? And, and he scored goals, I think, whenever he – was playing with top line guys when yeah. you know, maybe the team's not as that's the problem. So, when you watch the highlights, it was like when Bobby Ryan came over yeah. and you, you'll only watch the 40 goals he scored. Yeah. You don't watch the rest of the game, but that part right there, when you talk about kind of a link and what you needed to happen, um, that is because I'll also say, and I was way too on the gun because I got some negative reports. I thought Tara Senko was actually dog shit in training camp, but I thought to myself, what's going to happen here? But there's a sign of, and and credit to Ridley Gregg, I guess his thoughts on Tarasenko and the way that he's played so far. Yeah, I think a uh, veteran guy, um, he knows what he has to do, right? He's on a one-year contract. He's going to want to play well. And I think he's he's been uh, much better kind of since training camp. So and I think he brings a different, you know, he's he's won before. I think he brings a different uh, dynamic to the organization um, on the ice, but also off the ice as well. So um, I think... I think I'm, I'm, I'm fine with him with how much he makes. Um, and I think he must be questioning, you know, he played on that St. Louis team with puck possession, big cycle, all that. And uh, yeah. we don't really have that here, you know? So I think with more zone time in that, he would be, be even better. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm good with him. Yeah. yeah, for the people behind the scenes, I'm, I'm, I, they, they sent me a chatter. We're going to stop at one, which we're not going to stop at one uh, debut show. Still got lots to say, but 
Um, I'm pushing on a button and I'm actually exiting out of the chat. So I'm back. Here's the part on Tarasenko, which again, I think you learn. And, and, and this is another part when the Ottawa makes trades, Justin, we don't work for the team. I'm not a pro scout. The year that Murray came over and dirty daddy, I kind of thought, wow, from what I've seen out of daddy in Florida, pretty good player. Murray's not bad. He's won a couple of cups. They come in. Murray's a complete head case. There's nothing he can do. He doesn't want to be here. Terrible work ethic. Kurt can't catch the puck to save his life. And Dadanov, I think, via the metric, had gone from 90 kilos to about 200 kilos by the time he got into Canada. So I don't know if that was mass excise of him coming in. He was terrible. On Tarasenko, what I have seen and what is interesting, a little more pace than I expected. Not very yeah. good defensively. Actually, not good at all. Not strong on the puck. But what I love to watch in a shift that he has, and this is where Joseph and Greg in particular, I think this is a little bit short-sighted of how much you're going to miss Greg, oh, how yes. he's able to get open, how he is as a guy that's been a goal scorer, just swoops around the zone, finds the right spot. And then I guess like a lot like to bring it. I didn't realize how well this guy passes the puck. Like he not only makes a soft, hard pass, he puts people into situations here that are absolutely outstanding. So kudos to him. Yeah. And as I said, I, I think that's been pretty good. I, I can't complain at five no, million. I'm, I'm bucks. happy with him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and to that, as we go through, and we're focusing so much on Thomas Shabbat, which which again, whatever the fault is, all of a sudden when Hamannick slides up, which he's a third pairing defenseman, JBD yeah. to me not shouldn't be in the National Hockey League. No. Zub is an anchor, you're missing it. How much will they miss Radley Gregg? Because I also, when you talk about where they flatten out a little bit, this guy's a get her done guy. He's oh, a self starter. Love, what a player. Like, what a player. Like, yeah. Isn't that a dream player? Like when yeah, you talk 100%. about what's what's ailing you a little bit, he very quietly comes out and yeah. just and, and how well he had played with Tarasenko, both in supporting him along with Joseph. But those plays that he's made on Tarasenko's goals. Yeah. No, no, he's been outstanding. I mean, he's He's a go-getter. He gets after it, um, but also very, very smart as well. So I think this, yeah. like, he's going to be a very good player oh, for a long yeah. time. And yeah, and talk about culture. This guy's going to add to your culture for your yeah. team. Um, Isn't great. he exactly what you want come playoff time? Hundred like, percent. You, you, you just know that something, something's going to. He, he'll be probably hurt from blocking a shot, yeah. and then something will go in on. He's like a mini Corey Perry. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. And he'll just continue to get stronger and, and better. And uh, I think the sky's the limit for him and, and, you know, comes from, obviously he's a scout son. Um, so he's yeah. probably heard it all his life on how to play the, the right way. Yeah. And, he, and he has the skill and the ability to match that. So yeah. uh, great pick. Um, awesome for the organization. Um, yeah. yeah. And we also have to give credit to the mums on these because it's also funny. I had my buddy Todd Lushko who played with uh, the Greg father and one of the funny things that he brought up and anybody that watched Mark play and Mark was a higher pick than the Sanderson dad and Mark could skate, but he wasn't real a hard player. And it was a yeah. different time, Justin, when he played, mm -hmm. but they were playing a, a kind of a, well, I guess a parents game or, or had, well, everybody out there, wives and, and players. This is St. John, the American hockey league and Lucia's in the corner. All of a sudden he gets run from behind and, and he looks up and it's actually the Greg mum. <laughs> yeah. and, and they used to joke with when they talked about Ridley where did you get that tenacity from it ended up being from the mom's side but yeah, I agree funny. with you yeah and, and I guess you also go back to that draft and you look at the rebuild uh I've been there and I got I try to think back and, and you know a couple of years in Washington we had some high picks and drafted some good players but how much do you applaud a draft where and, and everyone's always saying the same thing top five picks are automatic well I'll tell you what the Rangers right now would take Byfield who we got a credit it's coming on yeah and Stutzla way ahead of Lafreniere when you talk about Sanderson versus Drysdale so give credit there yeah when you 100%. look at the pick of Greg and you look at the pick of Pinto I guess I'll take you into the scouting side of it for yourself. Like, what kind of a dream is that at the end of a first round and early into second round to get guys that are flat out going to be impact players in the picture of these two players uh, playing your top six in the National Hockey League? Yeah, it was a hell of a draft for them. Um, yeah. When you look at, you know, there's going to be five guys that play, maybe more. Um, Incredible. Thank yeah. You. So, so I mean, great job on the scouts there. Um, and sometimes those guys just fall, like fall to you and you're like, you might've had them higher than where you're taking them, but you know, you just hope a team ahead of you didn't just didn't yeah. like them more than the next guy. So, um, great. Picks. How, mu how, mu how much, how much fun. And, and I'll say one draft I was involved in and we're sitting there and we had, a, I think a couple of picks, but we were going to pick one of, of two players. One was Marty Buron and the yeah. other one was Jay McKee. Now I'm going back in the way, I'll get them a little more current as we move along. They both got taken right before us by Buffalo and they're like, and, 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 and I, I know there, I don't think there's ever a better expression than your dad when they lost out on 
Connor McDavid. Yeah. You're ending up with Jack Eichel, who's a pretty good, but he couldn't hide, obviously, his face. No. What's it like sitting at the table when that guy is, is right there? And uh, you can't, you know, with the scouts, you don't want to be cocky. Yeah. You can't show no, any emotion. No, What no, is it no. like sitting? Guys and are then, sweating. It's yeah, and then also to begin with, and the oh, guys are yeah. sweating, and you're just oh, you got, praying, you got your, and you're praying. And yeah, you might you not your, be talking about it, but everyone knows what oh, is going oh. on through everyone's head. So and you're not you're um, not taking your suit coat off because the pits are yeah. like wall the way down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but what is it like? I guess when you get to, um, and I guess off the top of your head, can you think back to when you were drafted? And was there a moment like that? Like Thomas Shabbat was what pick was he? 15, 17? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I but I, I forget I, all the little details. But yeah, um, and that's a star set a star set draft but you're still sitting there like okay oh man like the impact that can make and then i guess both sides how you got to change gears and put on the smiley face for the guy that comes down that you didn't really want as bad (laughs) no no it's it's definitely tough um it's kind of like a tinder it's kind of like a tinder date yeah all of a sudden eh? yeah those (laughs) yeah you're not sure what you're gonna get but um so yeah and like i think i think and the local scouts that you know first round it's it's a group effort all the time oh, yeah. scouts. but if yeah. you have a guy yeah. that's in your area that you know your team wants to take you're just you're yeah. just praying that he drops oh and, i know yeah. i've always tried to explain that and, and jill cote who's gone on to be a great scout with san jose and he was not young when he was with washington but he'd come in at that time you'd have all your cards arranged and he'd have like 50 guys rated from the quebec league and jack button would be like god damn it jill you've only got two late two areas but uh, two yeah. players but here's the part of and i think it's changed but as you know, like your Russian scout, he wants every Russian player. The American yeah. guys think the Americans are the best players. Mm-hmm. The Czech scout, the Slovak, first of all, they want their players, but at times they want to be relevant. That buys them about four or five years to to babysit the guy, right? Yeah. And isn't that kind of comical behind the scenes of how much a guy will push for a guy? I know they believe it, yeah. but at times, or or like United you know, States, the cycle. Like if you're a Slovak scout for years, there's nobody. All of a sudden, this Slavkovsky comes around. And you're like, oh my god, we got to figure out a way to get this guy. Yeah. So I continue to be relevant. No, hundred uh, percent. You're always going to go back to bat for your guys in your area. I think yeah. that's just natural. Um, with Ottawa, we have a lot of crossover uh, yeah. guys. So, so Which it is key. made it. Yeah, it is. I completely agree. Um, I mean, I watched the Ontario League and the Quebec League, and then a bit yeah. of Junior A around here. So I got I got a feel of uh, of two different leagues, so I can kind of. Yeah understand what actually is playing or uh, like what will play or you know i'm not gonna have too many guys on my list just because i'm yeah. only stuck in one league uh but yeah when whenever you're a, a local guy and you might know a little more about him too which is which can be good and maybe bad at the same time but yeah. i think the more information you know who they are as a as a kid makes a big difference and uh yeah yeah and i, I guess to that justin i think the contrast is the toronto maple leafs you know, I remember one year the Toronto way back, I was before I was there, had a pretty small staff and they ended up drafting quite well. Yeah. Uh, as you know, there is also a dynamic of Toronto has not shown anything for having 2000 scouts, a thousand yeah. analytics people. I can't think of a real diamond out of the rough that they found where no. you can end up with too many voices. And I, I use that and not too many. I use that in the Montreal situation with their head scout who picked a bunch of players with the Rangers is now picked Slavkoski and not trying to pin on anybody, but yeah. you look at this where that voice becomes dominant and all of a sudden it's years later that you realize, yeah, everyone's sitting there listening in the room like this guy's a genius. And in the end, it's just because he's a dominant personality. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. And I think, I think with Ottawa, they have a good dynamic. They good mix of guys that have been there a while and experience. Yeah. And then some younger guys as well. So um, when I was there, for the most part, everyone had a, a good voice, um, yeah. and, and we we worked together to kind of narrow it down. And, and you also you also need that the team, right? Like you don't yeah. need a bunch of friction, and you need debate, but you also don't need anybody being an a hole or anybody. No, pol- exactly. And, and I guess I'll say that because I, I knew the late great Pierre Dorian, and then Pierre Dorian we know very well. I assume on the it must have been nice that Pierre understood what the life is like of an amateur scout, and it's not exactly riding around in a limousine and you no, know e- eating at five star restaurants. Yeah. That had to be helped of someone that knew the whole con. God, his dad when I first started or was playing was working for Central Scouting. That must have been a big help in the process. Yeah, it's, it's obviously when your GM knows what the scouts go through, and not that it's. A bad job by any means it's a great job but you are oh, running yeah. the roads you're eating oh, a lot of fast food and all <laughs> that um and, and you're gonna catch guys on uh you know they're playing three games and three nights and, and yeah. you're gonna have a bad night sometimes so uh you just try and gather as much information as possible yeah. to make the best in a sense guess like i yeah. like you know so um 
and Pierre was always good with that. Lots of healthy debate in uh, in the scouting rooms and uh, with the smaller staff. It, I, I think it worked well when guys crossed over. I mean, you have to go to a lot of games. Uh, guys oh, yeah. are going to two hundred plus games um, yeah. all over the continent, all over uh, Europe, a couple times a year. So yeah. um, it was good. Uh, now it's they're going to have to make some good picks here with uh, less yeah. draft picks in the future to kind of supplement yeah. that that debt. So what you know one one guy in the late round could make a big difference to adding your yeah. depth. Yeah. I mean, Supple is, is uh, the swing of last year of Korchanski and I don't know him well yeah. enough. He's playing in Chicago right now. That player being well, in your system. Good. Yeah. That player being in your yeah. system right now versus the pick for next year. And if it's a late pick, you're talking five years later. So you're right. Uh, yeah. They'll end up having to hit on some guys. So, well, we'll get into other stuff, other topics. Um, and that's certainly, I guess I could talk on, I'm used to four hours a day, Justin, but nice to kick off the show. Yeah. Uh, nice to introduce the audience to the Ottawa. Certainly appreciate the support. Uh, again, we're going to be here every day, Monday to Friday. Going to be talking sends. We'll break out to other parts of the National Hockey League. Yeah. We'll have more fun. We'll talk about some other things. But for today, just wanted an introduction to the two of us. And uh, certainly awesome first show, brother. And uh, thank you very much. To many more great to chats down the road. Awesome. Okay. I appreciate it, Simmer. Well, enjoy your Monday. Awesome. And we'll look forward to chatting tomorrow. And everyone, don't forget, little Simmer Down Sick Podcast. And have a great day. Let's go. Cheers. Bye. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast Simmer Down with John Simpson on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.